Welcome to the Unlock Philippines podcast, your once or twice weekly informational podcast on all things lockdown management related. We hope to help you get through what you need to get through so we can keep it together while we social distance apart. I'm Jet Akuzar. I'm based in the Philippines. And I'm Jantina Fong Nigaman. That's N-I-G-G-E-M-A-N-N, a Filipina based in Hong Kong, and we are your hosts. Welcome to the Unlock Podcast, Hindi. Hey, Jed. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And congratulations on this podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy you're here with us today. I wanted to start by asking you how you've been coping during this pandemic. Well, it's been a roller coaster for me, as I'm sure it has been for others. It started off very... Uh, scary. I was frightened. I was anxious. So I dove straight into survival skills and preparing our emergency go bags and Mm -hmm. praying a lot, meditating a lot. And then I went Mm -hmm. into research mode, Mm -hmm. totally nerding out on everything from virology, immunology, politics, economics. Mm -hmm. I read all kinds of news articles from uh, like all from from extremes from the extreme from one extreme to another and then yes. in between we just did a lot of family time uh, mm. learning to play music and farming around our home and bake finally uh, learned how to bake sourdough so that's a big deal <laughs> <laughs> So, Hindi, I'm sure business must be booming right now because when I asked you if you could deliver to Metro Manila, if you could deliver the vegetables from Holy Carabao to Metro Manila, I remember you telling me that you're at full capacity and you're only servicing sort of the Laguna, um, your immediate area. Can you tell me a little bit about what it's been like on the business side of things for Holy Carabao during this pandemic? Well, it's been better than ever. <laughs> my my Amazing. partner and I, Melanie Go, we're so happy. Uh, you know, throughout our um since let's see, since uh two thousand seven, since the birth of Holy Carabao, there there have been times where we wanted to give up, you know, it's kind of an uphill mm-hmm. battle because part of what we do is also having to educate the market. When we started the word organic wasn't even trending at that time. During a crisis like this, where the importance of food as a cornerstone for a healthy life is so apparent, it's really like in your face. So we've mm. we finally become top of mind. And mm. we don't have enough produce to even deliver to the city anymore. So we're just servicing the... Amazing villages that are around the Santa Rosa area, like West Grove, Verdana Homes, uh, Nuvali, the villages around Nuvali. So it's been great. And we're just so happy because we're able to continue paying the salaries of our team members. So that's something that we're so grateful for. Yeah. 
And a lot of actually our best seller now, guess what, is soil. You know, so many people are now quarantine wow. farmers. So it's not just the gulai and the eggs and the milk they want. It's it's actually soil. They're asking for soil and seeds. Wow. And the phone is ringing off the hook for like uh, asking for tutorials on how to make plant beds, how to do composting. But a lot of people now just want to learn how to grow food and how to care for land. And there's also, you know, we've been getting so many calls from people who have land and lots. They have land in some mm-hmm. province and they don't know what to do with it. Mm. And they just have a caretaker mm. there and it's just full of mm-hmm. fruit trees or or something it's just idle land or they inherited yes. land from their their lolo and or lola and it's just sitting there and they don't know what to do with it i was like wow you're so lucky you have land and here they are <laughs> calling us asking us some of them ask us to joint venture with them or to just to give them mm. advice on what to do you know um so we're also looking at that side that possibility that business opportunity. Yeah, and my husband, who is a real estate broker, has always dreamed of putting up a farm village, you know, a self-sustaining oh, wow. village with like-minded and like-hearted people who have uh, a seller, a root seller, a seed bank, who have livestock and and done it. Oh my God, and done, you know, done Girl, in a nice like, way. The way those UK farms look. Yeah. I mean, those those farms in the like a Dalesford oh organic. Gosh, you that's know? the pig. Gosh. I love Dalesford. God, right? I mean, oh my God, I would like yeah. a sober farmhouse. <laughs> I would. And you know, I really because we're I come from like a real estate background. Like my family's in real estate. We really believe that this is sort of well. At least for, I speak for myself anyway. I believe that this is sort of. Um, this is sort of the future. As things become more uncertain in the city, you know, uh, one of the things that the virus has taught us is that it's good to have, a, you know, social distancing in and of itself requires space. Mm-hmm. And real estate prices being what they are in the city, if you have a little bit saved and you can afford to buy, you know, a, a nice second home yes. elsewhere really kind of the countryside is a good yes. place to do it. Like it's a good place to kind of, um, and I was taught growing up that whatever mistakes you make in real estate, let's say you purchase something at a value that's too high, time corrects Ooh, that. okay. So that's like the big lesson that my pops always tries to impart with us. Like he says that if there's anything you want to invest in, um, you invest in land because even if it's a mistake today, over time, it's going to self-correct. Wow. Great so, lesson. Great lesson. Yeah, so, I mean, I really, yeah, so I really believe in, I mean, not to sound like Scarlett <laughs> O'Hara, but <laughs> I, I love a bit of Tara, you know? Like, um, <laughs> I think we've gotten to that point mm-hmm. where people are really interested on, on raising their own garden and get it. Yeah, right, they want to do it Getting themselves. their hands dirty and watching their tomatoes grow and, sharing their sharing tips with each other and then you know harvesting and sharing that with the neighbors and having wine at sunset and you know that kind of community i think it's it's finally gotten to that point and it's taken a crisis like this i think it's been brewing for a while you know people have been 
kind of dreaming. We always hear, Jippy and I always hear, you guys are living the dream, right? And then we're like, really? Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah, you guys are living the dream. We've always dreamed of having a farm. I'm like, so why don't you do it? Uh, we can't, you know, mm-hmm. we, we have, we, our work is in the city and, and then blah, 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 blah. It's, it's, so, but I think when we are faced with a crisis like this, it makes that inner voice even stronger for people. So maybe that's what will mm. finally drive them to pursue that dream of living a more idyllic life. I want to demystify your lifestyle a little bit because okay. <laughs> if you say that somebody lives an organic lifestyle, you it's easy to assume people it's easy for people to assume that this person is vegan, that this person um, doesn't you know, shower a lot, even, I have to say that's what I'm because <laughs> they want to conserve energy and water and, you know, they want to worship. They don't flush the toilet. Mother, they don't fl- if it's yellow, let it mellow. <laughs> if it's brown, flush it down. I mean, all these sort of, you know, um, this sort of kind of pagan, almost pagan imagery of like the kind of people who, um, you know, dance around a fire naked with just a flower crown on. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I mean, what I was, what I'm trying to get at is maybe we can demystify if you live that sort of lifestyle because it's so easy to assume that all of these things come part and parcel with each other, that they're all kind of a one kind of, um, you know, like it's, it's a sort of thing where if you buy into one thing, you have to live the entire lifestyle. A lot of people assume that I'm vegan, that I only eat healthy. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm so scared to get sick because I'm like, <laughs> like oh no, <laughs> the pressures, you know, I'm, I'm so, I feel so pressured. And people like, like, uh, like when, when I'm at a dinner party and let's say I start slicing into a piece of steak, you know, people will look at me, oh, you eat that pala? <laughs> you know, like, what on earth you know what like what do people think of me you know like i'm not just i'm i'm not your just typical granola munching (laughs) hippie uh i'm not vegan Mm -hmm. i'm an omnivore but i do go into cleaning cleanses like healing cleanses and detoxes Mm -hmm. um I've tried many different diets before, ketogenic, paleo, uh, raw vegan. But most of the time, I'm an omnivore that enjoys and celebrates food. And I like to eat clean, organic, whole foods because I think they taste better and they're better for the environment, better for my body, better for my family. But people think, I'm raw vegan and that's it, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, I thought that when I first met you. Right. I mean, I was and then shocked. they also, it, it's funny because when I was neck deep into fashion mm-hmm. from 2000 to 2012 or so, mm-hmm. um, they, it was the, the box that I was in was this 
fashionista, you know, mm-hmm. that 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 parties hard hard every night. Gucci gang, right? basically. The Gucci gang, you yeah. know that that was the box that I was in, right? <laughs> so, oh my it's god, it's a fun box. There's some. <laughs> I have a lot of Gucci gang friends. I have to say. <laughs> One more thing we need to debunk, Hindi, is, and I'm just going to ask you this in plain and simple terms, because mm-hmm. I saw something on your Instagram stories which sort of um, raised this specific question, and I'm just going to ask you this. Are you an anti-vaxxer? Uh, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, thank you for asking so bluntly, rather than, you know... <laughs> speculating or talking behind my back (laughs) no I am not and I'd really like to make that clear I am not an anti-vaxxer I'm just a careful conscious vaxxer (laughs) 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 I'm a suspicious vaxxer I like to um I think the very very first scientist's had good it- intentions and then somewhere along the way it became very big business and that's where things can get complicated okay um mm. i also have a personal experience with my daughter who at six months got mm. i don't know i don't even remember which vaccines at that time because at that time i was one of those moms who didn't ask, didn't question the doctor, didn't even know what the ingredients were that were being injected into my child. I just assumed it was okay. And I feel that affected her immunity to the point that it triggered an inflammatory response in her brain. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. That's what I feel. Of course, there are many doctors who will disagree with me and even mock me. But there are also many doctors who will believe me and support me. So I also have my eldest son who is fully vaccinated and seems perfectly fine other than a few allergies and digestive issues, which is so hard to trace, right? But Mm-hmm. I'm very careful, especially now that I know what the ingredients are in most of the vaccines. I think every human being is unique and very different. So we cannot administer the same drug, the same vaccine across millions of people in the population. It's the same with food. Like some people are allergic to one thing hmm. and some people will be unaffected. It's the same with medication, right? So I feel it's the exact same mm-hmm. way with vaccine. You can't have one cure for everybody. People will react differently. And I feel even more strongly hmm. about this now because of my understanding of our microbiome. Our microbiome is a hmm. symbiotic collaborative ecosystem of bacteria and viruses and fungi in our system. They even outnumber our own cells. I think that it's, it's good that you debunk these things about 
your lifestyle and your beliefs because we can be many things and we can approach life kind of in a multifaceted way. It doesn't mean that just because you're vegan or um, just because you're, you live an organic lifestyle, you're necessarily <laughs> vegan, for example. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're not necessarily an anti-vaxxer. I'm, I, I'm, what I'm anti is anti-anything anti that's mandatory and anti-anything that's, you know, very totalitarian. I'm, there's so much more to immunology and health than just that alone. I mean, to be honest, like, I don't know. I, I really, I pray that a vaccine will be developed, but am I going to be one of the first people queuing for one? I don't think so. Because um, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in vaccines, but I'm also kind of, I take it with a grain of salt because there are some vaccines like Dengvaxia, for example, that were, are just not, you know, I, I just would you know what I mean? Like exactly. Did not produce a good outcome. And it's accepted science that the vaccine is widely seen as a failure. So I think that while I am, I'm pretty sure that I'm 100% on the side of um, required mandatory vaccinations because it's just the way I am. And it's funny because I'm married to somebody who's the exact opposite. Like my kids would not mm -hmm. have been vaccinated if I had not insisted on them. Um, I see his point as well though. But it's just for me kind of um, because I just, I'm just like, I think generally I have a lot mm -hmm. of deeply held old school beliefs <laughs> and I'm comfortable with that like and I'm and it makes me feel comfortable knowing that I have the same thing as someone else yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to sound sheepish <laughs> but it does give me comfort knowing that like oh your kid got vaccinated mine too you know like <laughs> I, I have I get comfort that I feel better knowing that like you're all okay you know like so I, I nightly pray for a vaccine and a cure. Um, but I just think that even with vaccine development, it takes time. It takes years to develop a good vaccine. Not because the science yes. isn't there, but because you have to test it. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We have very different views when it comes to this sort of... Um, aspect of science but I can appreciate some of the points you're trying to make because it, it does make sense to know what these ingredients are I've never even thought yeah to look at what the ingredients are I mean between us Hindi there's a there I, I just want to <laughs> yeah, be yeah I think Hindi. that's no. my thing I think it's for me talaga. Exactly. <laughs> I just want to be healthy and alive and like my decision to yeah. <laughs> not vaccinate some of my children comes from the same place of wanting them to be alive and healthy. And your decision to vaccinate your children comes from the same place of wanting them to be alive and healthy. So what I don't appreciate is when there are some people, and there's very few of them, but when they start saying, no, you're being socially irresponsible for not vaccinating your children, right? Because I can say the same thing. I can say the same thing, no. You're lowering the immunity of, of 
the general population because that's how I view immunity. You don't see the effects immediately. It's a band-aid solution. Maybe in a few years, you'll see the effects, right? But but I don't even get to that point because the moment they mm-hmm. state that, I think the conversation's over, right? The moment they impose their view and making a judgment like I'm being yeah. socially irresponsible, the conversation's over at that point, right? Because really, I'm social. I, I, how I mean, I and and that I'm being that I haven't done enough research or things like that, you know? Like, are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, so so much of yeah. Also, Hindi, you're tra- you are traumatized. Right. I mean, you're a traumatized yes. mother, is what you are. You went through trauma, the trauma of seeing one of your children react poorly. Yeah, perfectly to, to healthy baby. That's what you believe the cause is. So I think that it's it's very different, you know. Like um, when we're coming from, it depends on the positions. Um, I always think of the messages we give, the conversations we have. We're not, we're, we're never standing on the same positions with people when we speak to them. It's very rare that you, um, especially with these controversial issues, that you find someone that you can speak to about these issues where despite having opposing right. views, you're coming from the same place. Um, I've, I know what it's like to, to deal with yes. the trauma of a very sick child. Because as I said, my, I said earlier to you, my son Diego was born with pneumonia and we were in the neonatal ICU for a month and it was very traumatizing for me. Um, thankfully, all the medicines that we used, all the advice of Dr. Martinez and Dr. Nuged um, really worked for us. And yes. it's, I believe medicine saved his life but um your trauma is you believe that this sort of mass-produced medicine caused your daughter to have a neurological disorder that's now impacted the quality of her life forever and i think this is why you and i don't argue it's because i despite having very opposing views i know what it's like to be worried for your child and to be helpless. And you are at the mercy of somebody else telling you that this is what needs to be done and you're not sure if they're right. And you don't have time to corroborate that information. Hmm. I want to talk a little bit about um, authority. If... I became president in the future and made you my agricultural secretary. What would you do with that position? Oh, I'd love that position. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm going to vote for you, Jet. I would give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, the first thing that I would do is not put the burden on the farmers who want to grow organically because right now the burden is on us on the farmers who want to grow organically we have to pay we have to pay for organic Mm. certification you know uh organic seeds are more expensive and harder to find 
you know, so really the burden is on us. Mm. And then even the, which drives up the cost. So by the time it gets to the consumer, the, the prices are prohibitive, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So it's, it's really difficult for somebody, for a farmer who wants to do it right. Mm. And there are many farmers out there who want to do it right, but the system does not support it. So they just end up growing conventionally and working with a middleman who buys their produce for dirt cheap, you know, um, just so that they can get a truckload out and get a few bucks. But they're really somehow imprisoned in this loop mm. of debt. No. You know, so that's the first thing I would do is bring back the power to the farmers the, and, and, and re release the burden on those who want to farm clean and organic. And also really bring back the respect for these farmers because I consider them our backliners, you mm -hmm. know, if the health workers are our frontliners, I think the farmers and the fisher folk are our backliners. Mm -hmm. They're also there to protect our health, mm -hmm. you know, with the food that they bring to us, that they grow or that they harvest. Mm -hmm. uh, and it would be great if we paid them living wages, mm -hmm. right? But our farmers and fisher folk are amongst the poorest in our country. That is, I mean, that thought alone is, is a disgrace. I think I agree. so. And, and farmers in other countries in especially first world countries are treated with much more respect and can really earn a living. And in fact, some of them drive fancy cars and, and have very, you know, beautiful homes. Mm. But here our farmers and our fisher folk are relegated to the bottom of the pile, you know, mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I would change. And the second is I would really love to renew our appreciation and love affair for the Palenque, for the, mm -hmm. for the neighborhood Palenque. Mm -hmm. And that maybe will also drive the tourist industry, mm -hmm. you know, like this, this Palenque in this village has a very special kind of suman or puto and you can only find it from there. Mm -hmm. And this palenque over here has has really good kind of heirloom rice, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing so that we travel around our country visiting the local markets. Because when I travel, I visit the farmer's markets wherever we go. I'll, I'll look for the next schedule. It's usually on the weekends. I'll look for the schedule of the farmer's markets and I'll visit. Mm -hmm. And I get to meet the different kinds of farmers and florists and vendors and I learned so much just from seeing what they grow and what they bring to the table what they sell so I'd love to see that also in our country we have such a rich country mm -hmm. unbelievably rich mm -hmm. how would you do yeah, that like how would you restore the glory of the Palenque like if we asked you from like a kind of practical perspective what would be the things that you need to address logistics is definitely one of them it's so hard to move produce around why is that uh i don't know maybe infrastructure mm. 
Yeah. Uh, also, the cold chain is very expensive. Um, what is the cold chain? Like, uh, you know, those refrigerated vans. Ah. Yeah. So a lot of, for example, the produce from the north, from Benguet, gets, usually gets delivered in the underbelly of buses, right? So... Right, so they're not I, they're not ideal conditions. I'd also like to clean up the palenques, right? Because now we think they're dirty places mm-hmm. and they smell bad. And they're vectors know, of disease. Like they say that yeah. they say that um, the coronavirus came from what is essentially a palenque, a wet market in Wuhan. That's the working exactly. theory, anyway. So yes, it's gonna be a tough. Um, it's going to be so tough to try to clean that up. But um, but anyway, Hindi, you're hired. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, all these things that are kind of just coming to the sort of um, mainstream consciousness has always been your normal, like, or rather has been your normal for the past 10 years. I remember you telling me that you have some issues with the term new yeah. normal. Can you tell me what your issues with those with could you please tell me what your issues with that terminology? Well, I just are? don't like the association with the word normal. Because really what is normal? Mm. And and then you attach it to the word new normal. And Suddenly, it can be abused in all sorts of ways for whoever's agenda. You know, what I would like to see is a new consciousness, mm-hmm. precisely because we're facing this as global citizens, a new consciousness about food, about the environment, about personal health, about public health, uh, about my gosh, even just our humanity, you know, a new consciousness about our humanity. To wrap things up, Hindi, I wanted to ask you what you believe humanity should do to work towards more equanimous society. I would like us to revive our connection with our divinity with our inner knowing and our connection with nature, our inseparable, interconnected relationship with nature. Now, when there is a pandemic, an outbreak, such as the one that we're facing right now, we need to see it as an imbalance. And we need to ask, Why is there an imbalance? It's a symptom rather than the cause of something. It's a symptom. So we need to look at that. I apply the same principles in our farm. When we see weeds or when we see pests, we don't just spray pesticide on the pests. We don't just spray herbicide on the weeds. The first thing we ask is, okay, what have we done? Or what's going on in the environment that's causing an imbalance here? And if we treat that, then the weeds and the pests just go about their business and disappear on their own. 
Because if we attack the symptom, attack the weeds, attack the pests, sure, it will eradicate the problem for a few days, for a couple of months, and we think we would have won. Wow, we're so smart and we're so cool because we got rid of the weeds and we killed the pests. But actually, they're going to come back later stronger than ever. Or they're going to come back in some other place because we really did not treat the underlying problem. And that's how I see imbalances in the virome and how I see outbreaks and pandemics such as this. Of course, medicine has its place because sometimes we don't have the luxury of time and we need to treat it right away to save people, right? Or we need to save the farm and we need to use pesticide just this one time. Or we, mm. we have a really bad infection and we absolutely need antibiotics. Or we got bitten by a dog and we have no choice but to take the rabies vaccine. I agree with those things. But from a holistic perspective, I think we need to treat the underlying problems. And that's what I see a lot of in the world today. There's so many underlying problems. An over-materialistic, over-consumerist society is just one of those things that we need to start looking at in this new consciousness, not a new normal, but in this new consciousness. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Tindy. I really enjoyed speaking to you. Um, and I feel like I learned a lot. Um, yes. And it was great. To Thank you for giving me that opportunity. Nobody has ever asked me point blank. Are you an anti-vaxxer? Nobody's ever asked me that. Are you pagan? <laughs> <laughs> well, I need, yeah, I need to Are research on my future secretary of yeah, nobody's agriculture. Yeah, <laughs> enlightening and super fun talking to you more power thanks thank you jet take care of yourself thanks for tuning into the unlock philippines podcast we're definitely learning as we go along as this is a homegrown and homespun effort using whatever tools are available to us at the moment We hope you found this uplifting and useful. And if you'd like to reach out to us, we are at unlockph.podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.